everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Friday show, our NBA Draft recap or review podcast. We're going to talk about everything that happened with the draft, the key picks, any trades that happened, uh, all that good stuff. First of all, I'm your host, Carson. Welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show, whether you've been listening previously or this is your first time listening to the podcast. Either way, we appreciate your support. Uh, we truly do. Um Real quick, I'll plug our Instagram page so I don't forget that. That's crossover across time, all one word on Instagram. We like and share content from across the NBA as well as posting our own content. So uh, uh, definitely it's a great all-in-one place along with the podcast itself to uh, stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA and also hopefully get that historic perspective that we aim to provide. Um, Let's first dive into the main key news uh, that kind of preempted the draft. Uh, There was a bunch of... Uh, a couple more trade items that happened. And one of them actually was we had mentioned on the previous episode on Wednesday that there was talks of a Chris Depp's Porzingis move to Boston, but they had fallen through the first iteration of that deal did fall through. But actually shortly after we finished recording that episode, the uh, finalized version of that deal did come through. Uh, and here's what it is. It's another three team trade, uh, Washington. Yes. Sending Chris Depp's Porzingis to Boston, this time, Boston sending Marcus Smart to the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, also sending Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and the 35th pick in this draft to the Washington Wizards. Uh, so a lot of moving parts there. Uh, Memphis, in their part, they send uh, Tyus Jones to Washington along with uh, sending the 25th pick and a 2024 first-round pick, which is top four protected via the Warriors, uh, they're sending all that to Boston. So Boston uh, accumulates Porzingis and some uh, some draft capital. Um, also, quick, pardon me, I'm still recovering from sickness a little bit. Um, Washington gets Gallinari, Muscala, Tyus Jones. Um, they kind of sw- swap picks a little bit. And Memphis mainly gets uh, Marcus Smart. Uh, so kind of an interesting move. Uh, again, the Porzingis thing in Boston, I like Kristaps Porzingis. I think he's a, a unique player, and I think he has potential to be a winning player for a team. The health is obviously the main concern. He's had seasons where he hasn't played much, although he did have a lot of health this last year. He played most of the season, if not all of it, for Washington. Had some great success. So I think there's every potential for this trade to work and every potential for it to be kind of a head scratcher going forward. But uh, that's, you know, when you're a team that's kind of on the cusp, that's been contending and really close to maybe trying to win a championship, but just needs that extra push, needs something, uh, you know, you need to make some risks or take some risks. And this could be one. I do kind of have some concerns about giving up your heart and soul. A guy like Marcus Smart, a defensive player of the year, um, who has his flaws and his faux pas, but has been invaluable to the Celtics success. In my opinion, I think there's definitely a risk there, but um, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I I'm certainly open to how this is going to pan out either way. I like it on Memphis's end, getting a guy like smart, who is the right kind of um, diff. Like he's difficult to play against. He's not a difficult personality, you know, and the, the worst thing Marcus smart really ever does is, uh, the occasional questionable flop that gets a, a laugh online. But really, I mean, for that culture, a guy who's proven, who's been part of a consistent winning organization, um, 
who's a great defender adds to their kind of gritty tone that they, you know, if they're setting it in a positive way, which is defense and hard nose play. I think that's a great move for them. And then for Washington, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. Again, they're kind of blowing things up. They already sent Bradley Beal out. They're sending Porzingis out. They want to lower the, the, the payroll. They want to bring in younger talent, give them a chance to develop. while also allowing themselves to kind of more naturally get into a mode where they're going to be, um, contending for higher draft picks and and a true rebuild. So I think that's a great move. They acquire some guys that, you know, Gallinari, that that'll be uh, no harm, no foul. Maybe a guy who he gets worked back into uh, NBA action. And then at the midway point of the season, he gets shipped on to a contender. Um, you know, Muscala, that, that's all right. Tyus Jones, I think that's interesting. A guy who's been a, an overqualified backup for Memphis, having a chance to play in Washington and maybe, uh, show some things. He's still a young player. Maybe he can emerge as an, uh, the next kind of Jalen Brunson. Uh, and that might be a little bit of an overhype, but uh, you know, has a, a chance for a little bit of an extended role in Washington. So I think that's cool. I kind of like the trade generally all around, but again, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, this next trade though is uh, more perplexing. Um, continuing that theme of Washington sending out the the key names and a guy they actually just acquired as part of that aforementioned Bradley Beal trade. Chris Paul had been in house for a number of days and then they have, are now sending him on. So here's the trade Washington sending uh, Chris Paul to the Golden State Warriors in exchange for Jordan Poole, Ryan Rollins, uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., the 57th pick in the draft, uh, this most recent draft, of course, uh, a 2027 second round pick and a 2030 protected first round pick. A lot of stuff for Chris Paul. And uh, at, at first, I thought it was Paul for Poole and a handful of picks. You know, that made a little more sense. And then they've added in some additional younger talent. Uh, I'm kind of confused. You know, I think Chris Paul with Steph Curry, it it's a better fit than some of the other guard pairings we've seen in recent years you know Chris Paul more a playmaker who can hit some threes Steph Curry uh, a shooter who can make some plays they can complement each other um to the better point guards in NBA history top 20 at least maybe even top 10 both of them great point guards in NBA history so that'll be a cool thing to see along with Clay and the, the whole Warriors thing there so that's that's interesting it's kind of odd but I don't I don't totally hate it um for Washington, they bring in Jordan Poole, a guy with you know still a ton of upside, still young. Um, it's interesting for Golden State to give on give up on him so young, and especially a team that really prides itself on homegrown talent. A guy that seemed really ripe to be the next one up in that whole Splash Brothers. I mean, he was the Splash, the, the Splash nephew. I don't know what you want to call it, but he was um, a nice little tertiary piece of that. Uh, that original identity of golden state and their run back to the championship in 22, you know, so I, I, it's bizarre to see him give up. I mean, he did have a very rough uh, past season, uh, especially focused on the playoffs. He was very, uh, very off, did not have a great playoffs at all. Um, So it makes sense. And, you know, I have my concerns about Jordan Poole as a player, just, you know, maturity in small things but really more you know shot selection consistency some of those type of things so but again for Washington you bring in a young guy 
pool with Jones, guys who have a chance to, again, increase roles, see what they can do as quote-unquote de facto stars for a Washington team, you know, leading scorers, leading shot takers, that kind of a thing. They bring in some younger talent as well, kind of helps fill in the roster, not a bad thing, and all that draft capital, you know. Um, a projected first-round pick, uh, a second-rounder, I mean, never bad to add some draft capital. So I guess all around it, it makes somewhat sense. It's not quite as sensible as the Porzingis trade, kind of talking through it, but not a terrible one. Um, and then the last one, this was mainly just a pick uh, exchange one. Indiana sent uh, pick number 40 to the Lakers in exchange for pick number four, uh, 47 uh, and cash considerations. So uh, freeing up just a touch of cash, uh, cash capital, you know, getting some cash, uh, small picks exchange, you know, mid second round. So not a huge one. Um, and then an update, actually, on the previously mentioned Bradley Beal trade. Part of it, we mentioned, of course, Washington getting draft picks. Well, boy, did they get draft picks. Reportedly, they're going to be receiving. Oh, geez, excuse me. Still got a little bit of the, the nasal stuff uh, messed up, but apparently they're going to be receiving six second round picks and four first round pick swaps from Phoenix. My goodness. So Phoenix has no hardly any draft capital and they have no bench and they have four great starters. Uh, they could win a championship. They could flare out in two years, one year. It'll be very interesting to see what happens, uh, but they are playing a very dangerous game. In my opinion, Washington doing a great job to get a ton of draft capital, even though obviously the second round pick side of it sounds a bit hazy and the pick swaps. It's not just outright first rounders, but I mean, that's a ton of draft capital. Again, you're hitting the reset button. You have a chance to to get the rights to higher picks. So I think they did well. Um, but that's really the main news from before the draft. And with that, let's go ahead and jump right into the draft. We've we've tiptoed around it a little bit. Uh, we've spent some time just getting acquainted with the landscape before the actual draft came. And, uh, you know, not really a ton of surprises. I think things went uh, fairly normal. Uh, there was the, the offhand move, uh, swapping rights, that kind of a thing for additional capital. Uh, again, excuse me. Um, you know, and I think a lot of teams made solid moves. There wasn't really a ton of head scratching stuff. It starts, of course, with Victor Wenminyama going number one to the San Antonio Spurs. The aforementioned, uh, not aforementioned, but the, uh, you know, it, it was long decided. It was, um, Besides the point, really, everyone knew that was going to happen. But congratulations to him and his family. Generational prospect. Uh, super excited to see him play, see what he's capable of uh, here in the States against the NBA competition, the young competition. And then once he gets into the NBA games, what that'll be like. Uh, super exciting. Um, number two, there was a touch of dialogue around the Hornets. They went with Brandon Miller instead of Scoot Henderson. A lot of people had Scoot Henderson rated as the, the better prospect. There's talk about Brandon Miller being a better fit alongside LaMelo Ball simply because of positional uh, type things. And, you know, I I think I don't really have a problem with it. You know, Brandon Miller, I think um, one of the lone college guys in this top six or seven, uh, as odd as that sounds, I mean, two different international players from the same team, interestingly enough. Um, some guys from the newly formed overtime elite. We'll get to that in just a moment. And then uh, uh, Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite. 
uh, Brandon Miller and Anthony Black, the only two in the top seven to be uh, coming out of college, kind of a unique one. But, you know, the, the, the kind of more proven college talent, but then same, uh, same end of that, you have G League Ignite playing against guys that are on two-way contracts with NBA teams, guys that are playing have played consistent NBA minutes guys that have been, uh, you know, full-time members of NBA teams in the past. Um, you know, there's a lot of arguments to be made that G league ignite is, is tougher competition. Um, so it goes either way. I don't really have a problem with the Hornets going Brandon Miller. feels like a good fit. There are the concerns of course, about, um, the stuff that came out February or March, uh, with Alabama and Darius miles and, um, uh, legal situations. There was a, uh, a murder involved. I believe Brandon Miller was, was very loosely tied to it. Um, but his role seemed to be, um, significant in, a, in its own way. Um, definitely you hope that this is something that's, you know, I mean, there's plenty of players who have had, uh, something that they they were kind of loosely tied to in their formative years, high school or college, and then they're able to get to the NBA, and it's shown that that was not something indicative of who they are as a person. And so hopefully that's the case with Brandon Miller. Uh, yeah, Scoot Henderson, three to the Trailblazers. People were kind of waiting, and okay, they're going to exercise that pick. They're not trading it. So then they, they're going with the younger timeline. Maybe they're looking to move on from Dame. And we'll get to that in just a moment. That was kind of the rumblings at that point. Four and five, uh, we had back-to-back Thompson twins, uh, Amen and Asar Thompson. They are the highest drafted pair of brothers in the same draft in NBA history. Um, Amen Thompson, number four to the Houston Rockets, adding to their um, young, exciting group of guards. But he's, I, I think it's good for him to be the kind of uh, – the opposite of the other guards, the Kevin Porters, the Jalen Greens, the Josh Christophers, those guys are all sco- scorers and shooters and shot takers. Um, and Thompson seems more like a, a distributor, playmaker, defender. Uh, seems like a good fit. I kind of like that, even though it's guard heavy. With the Pistons, they go Asar Thompson, who's a guard forward. He's six seven. Uh, I guess a man and Asar are about the same height and weight. Uh, I guess they have Asar Thompson listed uh, a touch just the five pounds heavier, but basically the same. And they have Asar also listed as a guard forward. Maybe they're playing him at the three. Cause otherwise I'm kind of confused about that with Detroit where they have Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivy already uh, two highly drafted picks. I mean, Cade Cunningham was the number one pick just two drafts ago. Um, but at the same time, you know, the top of this draft did feel a little bit guard heavy um, after when Binyama and Miller, so that makes a bit bit more sense that way. Orlando at six goes Anthony Black, the interesting guard out of Arkansas, good size, kind of a uh, you know fairly decent pick there. No problem with that. And again, I'm I'm kind of just speaking to what I can see uh, without having really followed college basketball or any of these other things too much. Um, then we had a pick swap, uh, Indiana and Washington swap picks. So Indiana at seven picked basically for Washington, giving Washington Bilal Koulibaly, the teammate of Victor Winamanyama, um, kind of that high upside guy where it's like kind of a risk, but interesting to see if it pays off for Washington. And then Washington, after that, picking for Indiana, picks Jarris Walker, uh, size 
at the forward spot, 6'8", 235. I liked the Aaron Gordon comparison. Uh, seemed pretty appropriate, and I'd like to see that kind of pan out for Indiana's sake. I'm, I'm excited to see what Indiana is able to do with that young talent along with Halliburton. Staying healthy, hopefully. Um, that'll be a team to watch. You know, I'd like to see them compete a little more in the East. Uh, then at nine, for me, the, the Jazz fan, we had their first pick of three first-round picks. Taylor Hendricks, forward out of UCF, Central Florida. Apparently, he's one of the highest, if not the highest, pick players from UCF in the draft's history. Uh, 6'10 forward, 215, so maybe needs a, a touch of the bulking up, but uh, apparently great shooter, great effort guy, uh, transitional scoring, hustle plays defensively. Seems like a good fit, you know, him alongside Markinen and, and Walker Kessler, kind of like that big front line, but versatile scoring, shooting. Uh, even Walker Kessler has shown the potential to you know, if you give it a few years, maybe you can develop a, a, a you know, stand up uh, catch and shoot three pointer. I like that for Utah. I think that's I, I maybe would have liked to see to have seen a guard a little bit. But I think that going forward, that was a pretty good pick. So uh, nicely done there. Uh, then it was Dallas actually picking for Oklahoma City. They had a trade there. OK, see at 12 Dallas at 10. But there again, they have a trade. Before that, so they swapped the picks. Um, oh, and actually, before I go too much further, let me give you the additional information on that seven and eight. So with the swap, um, Indiana gets two 2028 second round picks out of the deal for being able to, you know, go down one spot, uh, trade down in the draft. They get two second round picks in 2028. So nicely done there. And then with this one, the Dallas and Oklahoma City, again, Dallas at 10. Oklahoma City at 12. So what they do, Dallas moves down to 12. And in exchange, they also send Davis Bertans to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, on paper, that seems like, okay, so Dallas is moving down and they're giving up a, a player for Oklahoma City to be able to move up. But in Dallas's interest, Bertans was a contract they were hoping to get off the books. Um, so they kind of had to play it in that reverse order to be able to to make that work, Bertans is a guy who's seemingly regressed over the last year or two. Um, so it makes sense in that regard. So uh, Oklahoma City essentially picking at 10. They go Kaysen Wallace, a big guard, defensive guard out of Kentucky. At 11 between the two uh, aforementioned teams, the Orlando Magic picking again two picks in the top 11. Very nice for them. They pick Jet Howard, son of Jawan Howard, uh, high-scoring big guard out of Michigan. Cool pick. And then for the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, but then it's actually the Dallas Mavericks picking here, technically. They go Derek Lively the second, uh, the second center after Wenbanyama, 7-1 center out of Duke. Good size, could bulk up a little more, but I like him. He's he had a really kind of tough background getting to this point. Uh, they talked a little bit about it in the draft coverage, but uh like to see what he can do in Dallas. Hopefully he can be a, a key player for them. And then the same for Casey Wallace. I like to see all these guys be key players, but uh, a yeah, good move there. And at 13 and the flashy suit of the draft, uh, Grady Dick out of Kansas, uh, the, the best three point shooter from what I heard in the draft. Um, yeah. Six, eight. He's, he's got good size too. And, reportedly should be more than just you know a spot-up three-point shooter can create his own shot decent athleticism all that kind of stuff um 
yeah, to Toronto. And again, he had a like a sequin suit jacket, uh, red, and I guess it was a little bit of an ode. He's from Kansas, of course, to uh, the Ruby Slippers uh, in uh, Wizard of Oz. You know, we're not in Kansas anymore. So kind of an interesting one. At 14, the Pelicans uh, swipe up a guy that I kind of liked the idea of going to Utah, Jordan Hawkins out of Connecticut. There's something about him, and this might be, I don't know, some people might not understand what I'm getting at with this. There's something about quality of names along with what I saw from him in just a few clips that I've seen. The name Jordan Hawkins, something about it feels very similar to Richard Hamilton or Ben Gordon, Ray Allen, the Connecticut guard with the scoring ability and especially the shooting ability. You know, so I, I just get this feeling that he's going to turn into that guy and he very well couldn't. You know, I mean, there was Jeremy Lamb, didn't, the name thing didn't fit. And again, I'm kind of being a little odd with the name thing. But regardless, uh, Pelicans get Jordan Hawkins, proven, you know, championship winner, national championship winner at Connecticut. Uh, good shooter, kind of like that for them, needing uh, a little more uh, scoring-centric guards um, along with they have the the length, versatility pieces all over that roster. I like that one. Uh, 15, the Atlanta Hawks, they go Kobe Bufkin, guard out of Michigan. Um, and he, uh, I don't know much about him. Seems like a, a solid pick. Uh, guard with some some good abilities, uh, good pick. Then the Utah Jazz at 16, again, they get Keontae George. Seems like a, a heavy scorer at Baylor. Maybe questions about uh, efficiency with turnovers or something like that. But um you know, it seems like a decent pick as well. At this point, again, I'm really running out of things to talk about. So I'll maybe just start focusing more on the the bigger bigger storylines. Uh, at 20, Houston Rockets pick Cam Whitmore. And that was a name when I was looking at the mock drafts, a lot of team or a lot of sites and, and experts had Cam Whitmore within the top six or seven picks. He falls all the way to 20. And there's talk of maybe the medical being a concern, but it sounds like a bigger concern is that classic character piece, you know, how engaged is he with, um, how engaged he was with some workouts, um, and how engaged was he in, you know, just actual competition, you know, game to game in college, uh, some games really locked in other games, not as locked in as he could be. Um, but again, at 20, he falls to you to the Houston Rockets. They get that guy ultra highly rated, Along with Amen Thompson, uh, they've got some some highly rated talent, so definitely good for them. A forward as well. They needed a little bit more forwards to work with as far as their high-level talent compared to the guards. They have a lot of guards at this point. Um, Nets back-to-back at 21 and 22. Noah Clowney and then Derek Whitehead, uh, Alabama and Duke, respectively. 23, the Portland Trailblazers, Chris Murray, the twin brother of Keegan Murray. And I'm surprised he fell this far. I mean, it seems like a similar player to Keegan Murray, except mirrored because he's a left-handed shooter and player. Um, I feel like he's going to pan out. He's going to be a steal. And it kind of seems silly that he would have fallen when you have his brother, who's already proven to be a very solid NBA pro, at the very least a a very serviceable starter, Um, maybe even more with development over time. Um, Along with that... um, what other notable ones? We had a trade at 24 and 25. Uh, Sacramento sending the rights to 24, which was this Olivier Maxence Prosper out of Marquette. Uh, he was also Canadian. 
along with Rashawn Holmes to the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, in exchange, the Kings did not get draft rights to any other players or any other picks. Uh, it was a traded player exception. So um, just sending those two pieces, Rashawn Holmes and Max Sense Prosper, to or Prosper, rather, uh, the hyphenated, it's the first two names, um, to Dallas and Sacramento, I guess, just they don't have to. Uh, they don't they're not going to add they're not going to keep Rashawn Holmes in the fold helps kind of clear up roster situations I suppose uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there uh, 25 uh, Boston owns that owns the rights there even though it says Memphis Grizzlies they own the rights through the uh, Marcus Smart trade so they sent draft rights to that 25th pick which was Marcus Sasser out of Houston uh, they sent that to Detroit in exchange for the draft rights to James Najee at 31 and two future second round picks. Uh, keep a, a footnote on that. We'll touch a little more on Boston in just a moment. Um, at 28, this is the last jazz pick I'll mention because it was the last pick they had. Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio State. Somewhat similar to Whitmore, a guy that had the the talent level maybe higher than the pick, but with some injury concerns more than just the work ethic thing, just the injuries. Um so a good value pick there. And I, I, as a jazz fan, I'll just leave one last comment um, without it being ultra knowledgeable. It seems like a good draft and I'm really excited to see what those guys do. I'll leave it at that. Um, Nick Smith jr. Seemed like a pick that some analysts were very excited about for Charlotte. seems like a good first round, obviously Brandon Miller highly rated, but then at 27, this Nick Smith jr. Point guard or, or shooting guard out of Arkansas uh, with a lot of, uh, intrigue seems to be a good pick we jumped to round two the first pick of that draft 31 of course had been sent on to boston they draft james naji and then they trade him to charlotte in exchange for the draft rights to two players kobe jones at 34 and muhammad guay hopefully i'm pronouncing that right i apologize if i haven't at 39 again keep a footnote in that we'll touch on that in just a moment um at 32, this pick actually belonged to Denver, Jalen Pickett out of Penn State. Um, and it looks like I might need to actually update that on my rosters. While I've been following the draft and all these things, I have been trying to update uh, what the 2024 rosters will look like. And we'll have some more notes on that in just a moment. San Antonio Spurs at 33 pick Leonard Miller out of G League Ignite. Kind of another one of those pieces where it's a, an intriguing high ceiling prospect but needs a lot of development. Uh, so we'll keep up uh, updated on that. Uh, but then they actually traded him to Minnesota. So scratch out about San Antonio. Minnesota picks up that Leonard Miller in exchange for a 2026 second round pick and a 2028 second round pick. So San Antonio picking up some uh, later draft capital in uh, future drafts. 34. So now Boston owns this pick, the Colby Jones pick. And uh, what do you know? They trade it. They send the draft rights to 34, Colby Jones out of Xavier, uh, to Sacramento Kings in exchange for the draft rights to Jordan Walsh at 38 and a future second round pick. Uh, so the Celtics just keep moving backward in the draft and accumulating these second round picks. Um, at 35, the Chicago Bulls actually own this pick and they pick Julian Phillips out of Tennessee. 36, Orlando Magic get a piece of that uh, national championship team, Andre Jackson Jr. Uh, on that team. Uh, and then 38, Jordan Walsh drafted by Boston. That one they did keep. They didn't trade him, but the very next one, the 39th pick, which they also owned at this point, that Muhammad uh, Gouet, what do you know? They tra traded him too. They sent him to Atlanta 
in exchange for, you guessed it, a future second round pick uh, for a half second. I wanted to do, you guessed it, Frank Stallone, but a lot of people wouldn't understand that joke. Um, just jumping back to that Orlando one, I did misreport that, that Orlando Magic pick of Andre Jackson Jr. He actually was traded to Milwaukee in exchange for a 2030 second round pick. Um that Julian Phillips pick at 35 that was owned by Chicago. That was actually traded to Chicago by Washington in exchange for two future second round picks. Uh, and that was really the bulk of the trades in the draft. As far as other notable players, notable picks, um, Amari Bailey, who I think was the son of Toby Bailey, uh, UCLA kind of the legacy there. Um, let me double check, make sure I'm not speaking out uh speaking incorrectly here rather uh college career personal life uh never mind his father was a professional football player so not the same bailey so amari bailey uh out of ucla went to charlotte charlotte just moving all around the draft board accumulating a bunch of guys um let's see ryan repair uh new zealand breakers he went to portland at 43 um Tristan Vucevic or Vucevic uh, out of Serbia, 6'10 center going to Washington, another Serbian center. Uh, on the uh, In the aftermath of the Nuggets championship, small little footnote there, kind of a fun one. Um, then Amani Bates was an, an interesting one to note. He was a, a prep standout in, in the high school years, uh, had some you know, rough patches in the college career first Memphis, then Eastern Michigan um, picked 49 by the Cleveland Cavaliers late pick again, that high upside uh, nice little pick for them. I think in really their only pick of the draft or one of their only picks. Um, yeah. What else? Again, a lot of these other names I'm really not familiar, so I'm not sure what other standouts there are at this point. And that's really the bulk of the draft. And again, I'll have to update those other picks that were moved. Um, but we do have some other stuff that was uh, going on after the draft as has been the, uh, the standard for the last several years with the two-way contracts. A lot of guys who didn't get drafted quickly signed up to teams on two-way contracts. Um, and I'll run through a lot of those right here. Sixers signed up three guys to two-way contracts, Terquavion Smith, Azulis Tubelis, and Ricky Council the fourth. Uh, for the Bucks, they signed Amari Moore to a two-way contract, and they also signed Drew Timmy, uh, the accomplished Gonzaga big man, to a Exhibit 10 contract. Uh, the Bulls drafted Adama Sanogo, uh, I believe he was the center for that Connecticut team, to a two-way contract. Uh, the Heat drew Peterson and Caleb Daniels uh, to let's see Caleb Daniels signed to a training camp deal and Drew Peterson signed to an Exhibit Ten contract. The Jazz they signed Joey Hauser, a Michigan State product, to a two-way contract. Um, the Knicks signed Jacob Toppin, brother of Obi Toppin, along with Jalen Martin to to two-way contracts. Dallas Mavericks signed Mike Miles Jr. to a two-way contract. The Indiana Pacers signed the Kentucky big Oscar Sashibwe uh, to a two-way contract. The Toronto Raptors, Marquise Noel, the uh, exciting guard out of Kansas State, he got signed to a two-way contract. San Antonio Spurs, they signed Serge Ibari Rice to a two-way contract. Trailblazers end off this list with a couple of Exhibit 10 contracts. 
Malachi Smith, and then finally Antoine Davis. Of course, Davis may sound familiar. He was the guy very close to breaking Pete Maravich's all-time college scoring record, um, but did not quite meet that mark. And uh, yeah, a bunch of other contracts signed there. That uh, that takes care of that. Let's get into the other uh, remaining news up to that point before we get into a little bit deeper, if we can, draft analysis. Firstly, update on the Chicago Bulls and Lonzo Ball. Looks like he's expected to miss the entire 2023 through 2024 NBA season with uh, the ongoing left knee issues after surgery, after, uh, you know, setback in rehab from that injury. Um, and I'm crushed, honestly, because I, I really enjoy Lonzo Ball as a player. I think he's consistently throughout his career been better than what people have expected just because uh, or what people think, you know, because the hype that his, his dad set before the draft, it was it was misplaced, but it was also not selling him the right way as far as what kind of a player he is, you know. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've been a fan of his as he's been in the league, one of the underrated point guards with his continually improving three-point shot, the defensive capabilities, length and size, athleticism, and, of course, tremendous playmaking abilities. Uh, you know, I think he's really underrated in that aspect. But, again, missing a second straight season can potentially – his future with Chicago, his future in the league. Devastated to hear that. Again, hopefully he's able to recover and play sometime during this next season and uh, exceed that expectation. Um, and then finally for the Cleveland Cavaliers, a uh, quick roster note. Uh, the Cavaliers will pick up the team option for uh, forward Lamar Stevens for this upcoming 2024 NBA season. Uh, so they don't have any other options to deal with. They have some restricted free agents but that'll be uh, something to deal with in the coming weeks. As far as any other additional draft coverage we can talk about, there's talk about, uh, you know, again, I'm interested in what the Boston moves, those continually moving back, getting all those uh, additional late round picks. It's kind of cool, but it's also like, you know, you'd kind of want to maybe get some younger talent, especially as the, the bench starts to get thinned out a little bit in the pursuit of continually adding uh high level talent uh, for the nets. I like them, you know, having a, a solid draft, not having to worry about, you know, not having picks or trading picks to, to acquire players. And they're just doing a, a normal build Charlotte. They acquire four different players, adding a bunch of talent. Uh, Lamella Bob coming back like that. Um, there's a few teams that didn't have any picks. Um, the Bulls would have had no picks if they hadn't traded back into the draft. Um, but teams like, let's see, the New York Knicks, they did not have a single pick in this draft. Uh, they also, the Philadelphia 76ers had no picks as well. Um, so a couple teams that just had no picks whatsoever. Kind of an interesting one. Um, I'm just kind of glancing through ESPN's actual draft rankings to, to help kind of summarize a little bit of this. They actually gave Washington a C plus. Um, seems like a little bit of a, a harsh grade. Like they, they pick up Koulibaly, who's, you know, high risk, high reward. Um, and that Vucevic or Vucevic um, doesn't seem like a C plus, maybe a B minus. But uh, yeah, Raptors are only picked Grady Dick. Uh, Spurs just pick up a couple of players. Of course, one of them is Victor Wembanyama. 
so you can't really complain there. Any other notes? Yeah, Suns just had one second round pick towards the end of the draft. They pick up Tumani Kamara, who I have, I don't know anything about. Hopefully he pans out to be a great player. Um, yeah, Thunder Pelicans only had the one pick. Jordan Hawkins, Timberwolves, just a couple of the second rounders. Uh, Bucks seem like a nice pick, especially that Andre Jackson Jr. I'd like to see him kind of emerge as a nice little rotational piece for the, the Bucks franchise. He, a lot of people liked this Jamie Jacquez. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. That pick out of UCLA um, fitting the heat culture, as they like to talk about, that's kind of the, the uh, recurring phrase. It's maybe starting to get done to death a little bit. Um, the Lakers two picks. They actually got a C overall hood Shafino out of uh, Indiana. And then Maxwell Lewis, uh, in the second round out of Pepperdine. Um, you know, it could be interesting. Clippers, a couple of picks in the second round, uh, or actually the last pick of the first round and midway through the second round to pick as well. Kobe Brown and Jordan Miller. Again, don't really know anything about them. Hopefully they pan out. Pacers with four picks. So plenty of guys and potential for 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 players to emerge there. A lot of people like the Warriors draft. They got this Brandon uh Pajemski. I know you don't pronounce the D in the name because I, I heard it pronounced in it and they didn't pronounce it, but I don't remember how they pronounced it. Um he was where was he out of? Um let's see, Santa Clara. That's it. They like his kind of you know shooting and a forward fitting the Warriors ethos. And then late second to last pick, this Trace Jackson Davis. Um bigger forward some shades of Draymond Green without nearly the same playmaking. Um, Nuggets pick up some later talent. Julian Strother, Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson. Um, and yeah, that's really just running through a lot of the names. And again, I feel kind of silly because I don't know a lot of these players. But it would be really fun to see. I'd like to, I hope to see a lot more of the summer league action. Uh, I am going in person to one of the days of the Salt Lake City Summer League. I'm excited about that. We'll see a few of the players, of course, from the Jazz. Excuse me. From the Jazz, the Spurs, the Sixers, and the Grizzlies, I believe, are the teams. It might be Sixers, Grizzlies, and Thunder. I can't remember exactly, but we'll see players from some of those teams. So I'm excited to see that in for you know first person, but then also would like to see a lot of the the summer league games. Um along with the California classic, see what a lot of these players can offer uh, to these teams, what they're, they're truly made of. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And really that's the, again, as much as I can provide about the, the draft preview itself. So let's go ahead and quit while we're ahead and uh, give you our, this day in history fact. Uh, And for today's, this day in history, we're going back to 1972, so just over five or, or 50 years ago, rather, um, June 23rd of 1972, in one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history, the Houston Rockets traded future Hall of Famer Elvin Hayes to the Baltimore Bullets for forward Jack Marin and future considerations. Hayes scored 15,551 of his 27,313 career points in a Bullets uniform, averaging 21.2 points and 12.7 rebounds over his nine seasons with the Bullets. <laughs> Excuse me again. Uh, yeah, of course, Hayes, 
one of the great players of the 70s, uh, one of the underrated players of all time. Stellar player, played alongside Wes Unseld's, uh, a very underrated front court, that pairing, uh, Stellar. And it's interesting because, you know, Jack Marin, he was a solid player. He was an all-star a few times, good scorer, good shooter. Um, but obviously, I mean, that, that'd be talking about today, you know, you trade um, a nice little score. I'm trying to think of who would be a comparison, you know. Um Oh, geez. See, of course, I, I try and think of a comparison on my mind. Uh, just goes completely blank. Let's say for the Jazz example, Larry Markkinen. I love Larry Markkinen. Great player. But you trade a player like him for Nikola Jokic straight up. You know, uh, I'd be great for the Jazz, obviously. But like if you're giving up Jokic on that end of the deal, it's it's a horrendous deal. Right. But um, that would be kind of my best comparison that I can think of at the moment. Again, Jack Marin, nice player great pro but uh nowhere near comparable to elvin hayes one of the all-time greats so uh yeah really i think that leads us well into the next focus of the nba offseason and our next uh episode which will be next week right now i have it scheduled for friday um if we have any changes on that we'll we'll update it on the instagram page again crossover across time um Again, any changes, we'll update it there, but otherwise it's set for Friday. And on that Friday show, we're going to talk about what we can expect from the free agency period, which is more than free agency, of course. A lot of times it's trades and it's, uh, you know, trades of, of drafted players and it's all sorts of things. So um, going to be super exciting. It always is. And I think this uh, reminiscing on some some disastrous trades Uh is always an interesting lead in, but hopefully for all these teams sake, the moves that they're planning to make and they will make in this upcoming, uh, you know, few weeks will be productive and will lead to these teams getting better. But uh, yeah, that's really it again. I won't uh, ramble on for too much longer. Thank you again for listening into this podcast. We really appreciate it. We'll be back a week from now on uh, Friday, the 30th, giving you our uh, free agency uh, preview and then uh, we'll go from there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll be back with you soon. 